your daily podcast on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Hawkeye Nation, to a Tuesday morning episode of the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast, your daily podcast covering your Iowa Hawkeyes on the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, I am your host, Andrew Wade. Excited to be back for another show today, even if it is after a tough weekend. On today's show, as we do every Tuesday following a game day, we're breaking down the analytics of the game. We're going to do a little bit different this week, though. We're also going to talk a little bit about the analytics of Iowa's entire season and what needs to happen going forward to improve Purdue exposed a lot of weaknesses from Iowa, especially in pass blocking. So we're going to be talking about all that here on the show today. We'll also get into defense, and we're going to start with the rankings. But before we get into any of that, I want to thank you all for making the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast your first listen every single day. You can find the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast wherever you get podcasts at, and also for free on YouTube at Locked On Hawkeyes Monday through Friday. So let's get into it, though. First and foremost, Iowa in the rankings does fall. We all knew it was coming. We all knew Iowa was going to be falling. Uh, that was expected. When you lose a game, doesn't matter who you lost. It doesn't matter how you lost. You're going to most likely fall unless you're Alabama and the SEC. But Iowa does ultimately fall from 2 to 11. So let me round out what that top 11 looks like. It goes Georgia at 1, Cincinnati, 6 no Cincinnati at 2, Oklahoma at 3, Alabama at 4, Ohio State at 5, Michigan at 6, Penn State at 7, Oklahoma State at 8, Michigan State at 9, Oregon at 10, and Iowa at 11. You know what? It is what it is. At this point, there's nothing that rankings really matter at this point. It's all about the college ball playoff rankings, which will be coming out in a few short weeks. And ultimately, as long as Iowa wins out, we'll get to where we need to go. If Iowa wins out and wins the Big Ten championship game, they are going to be the best Big Ten team. They'll be the only team with one loss, more than likely, uh, actually almost assuredly, because if Penn State or Ohio State or Michigan, anyone, they have to go, they're going to have to lose a couple games. We're going to see how the Big Ten East shakes out. We're going to be talking with Matt Sheehan of Locked On Spartans about that on Thursday. But nevertheless, where I was at, 11's fine. You lose to Purdue, you expected to lose, or are you sorry, you didn't expect it to lose Purdue, but you expected to lose a game or two coming into the season, or at least I did. Now, my hopes were definitely higher. Uh, you know, after Iowa going 6-0, and I thought there's no game on the schedule that Iowa shouldn't be the better team. And they, they there isn't, even including the Purdue game. We got out coached. Two players played really phenomenally. Aiden O'Connell played a very good game at the quarterback spot, and we lost the game fair and square. However, the season's not over. We have a lot to play for. Again, Iowa can still finish 11-1. and They have five games. They are all, they're favored in literally all five games. They have to first get past Wisconsin, then Northwestern. That would move Iowa to 8-1. and you get Minnesota, Illinois, Nebraska. We're going to be talking about that later in the week, though. Uh, I mean, that's that's five wins you can get. The game that scares me the most is Nebraska, to be honest. Nebraska is a better team than what the record shows. The fact they are last in the Big Ten West is astonishing, considering the fact that they have kept up with every single team. They just can't close out games. It's a Scott Frost issue, I guess. I don't really know. But, nevertheless, as far as rankings go, it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. Iowa still has an opportunity to continue to move forward, continue to reach their goals. The Big Ten East is going to cannibalize themselves. All those teams that are ranked in the top 10 have not played each other. That's important to note. Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan State, Penn State, they haven't played each other. Michigan and Michigan State get each other in two weeks. We're going to see the rest of this. This conference is going to change up quite a bit. This picture of where we are is going to change up quite a bit. It's also worth noting that Iowa State as well 
is beginning to get votes. So they could be entering the top 25 here shortly, uh, especially if they are to beat Oklahoma State, which is currently undefeated at 6-0. and um, I think Iowa State can definitely beat Oklahoma State. Uh, this is a this is a Brocktober moment if I've ever seen one before in my life. Uh, so again, Iowa's schedule, the what who they've beaten, it's looking pretty good to this point. So all things will shake out the way they can. Uh, all things will shake out the way they should. Iowa is not. Yes, it would have been great for them to win. They didn't. Here we are. Things are still on the table that Iowa can accomplish that they wanted to accomplish going into this game. Let's take a look at this Iowa-Purdue game. We know offensively Iowa was atrocious. And I think one of the things I did not realize is you could see that Purdue was good on paper from a um, high-level statistical perspective. They were allowing very low amounts of yards in terms of passing. They were doing a pretty good job, 50th in rushing yards allowed in terms of per carry. Uh, Overall, doing a pretty good job on the defensive side of the ball. When you look at the advanced analytics, not as impressive. Even George Karloftis has not had as big of a season as you would expect. What I didn't account for is that Iowa's game plan was going to be to allow George Karloftis to line up wide outside and speed rush our young tackles all freaking day without a single ounce of help from anyone else. Didn't expect that to be the case, but it was. Iowa's offense in this game graded out at 59.5. Let's talk about the offensive line because that was definitely uh, one of the biggest areas. Now, there's a lot of fans out there who are not happy with Spencer Petras. Yeah, he played a bad game. He did play a bad game. It wasn't his definitely his worst game of this season, but it starts and stops with the offensive line. If they cannot protect him, Spencer Petras cannot be expected to have an all-star caliber performance. Now, to make matters worse, wide receivers aren't getting open either. So we're talking about all of that. Let's start the offensive line, though, like I was saying. Some injuries. Cody Ince, not in this game. Justin Britt, uh, always kind of dealing with some stuff. He's dealing with some stuff earlier in this week. Uh, they tried a lot of different combinations and were not able to make it work. Nick DeYoung just had a terribly, terribly bad game. In 46 snaps, he graded out at 58.6, allowed six pressures and two sacks. Mason Richmond also had a pretty rough day as well. Only allowed two pressures, but for the most part, was getting worked pretty pretty constantly, especially when going up against George Karlaftis. Now, again, this is not to say these guys are bad. They are young guys, and they are going to improve, but we need to see that improvement now because it's just not happening. It just isn't. Now, Nick DeYoung, 58.6 blocking grade and run, 30th, 30 grade in pass blocking, which is very, very below average. Connor Colby, a true freshman, Played in 45 snaps, graded out at 35.7 in pass blocking. Not good. Mason Richmond graded out at 38.8 in pass blocking. Jack Plum came in for 16 snaps. They were trying anything. Who can stop George Karlaftis? Who can actually protect Spencer Petras? Jack Plum comes in. Jack Plum, excuse me, 16 snaps, a 45.9 pass blocking grade. There's three guys who graded above 50, and that was Kyler Schott at 54.5, Justin Britt at 56.3, and Tyler Linderbaum at 84.7. Run blocking was a little better. And as we saw, the running game, I thought, was actually not too bad. But the pass blocking was atrocious. And Iowa needed to bring more guys in to protect Spencer Petras. The problem with that is now you have two or three guys running routes. And none of them can get open in man coverage. So you're kind of darned if you do, darned if you don't at that point. One thing I do want to call out, though, is that there was two things that were kind of interesting. Everyone on the offensive line allowed at least one pressure besides Tyler Linderbaum, as we can expect, because he's one of the best players in the nation. And also Tyler Goodson did a great job in pass blocking as well. 
which is unfortunate because we need Tyler Goodson to run around. Tyler Goodson is the most explosive player we have on our offense. We need him to get the ball. He had six pass blocking sets and graded out at 78.4. Um, definitely some great improvement from Tyler Goodson helping to protect Spencer Petras. But overall, this is this is a systemic – not a systemic issue. This is an issue that we've seen across the entire year. It just all came to fruition against Purdue. We couldn't do much. Spencer wasn't on his A game. Our wide receivers – for the second straight week, could not get open against anyone. And Purdue plays a lot of man. We're going to struggle against man teams unless Iowa makes a change at that wide receiver position. The reason why is our guys are not man beaters. Tyron Tracy Jr. is our worst graded wide receiver on our team. He is not beating guys in man coverage. Nico Regani is not getting open against man coverage. You know who is getting open against man coverage? It's our freshman. It's Keegan Johnson. It's Arlen Bruce. So when we're playing teams that play man, and we have a bad offensive line. That is a disastrous, a disastrous moment for Iowa. Because what I would do if I'm any defensive coordinator who predominantly plays man, or trusts their corners to play man at least, I would go cover zero. I'd blitz every freaking time, every single time, and man up on Iowa's wide receivers. You're going to get to Spencer Petras quick, and is a wide receiver going to get open? To this point, they haven't. It's unfortunate. Our pass blocking is bad. We're 107th in the nation in pass blocking grade. That does not cut it. Now, Iowa still has a lot on the table. They still have the ability to go 11-1 and one this in this regular season. The toughest test they get from a defensive line perspective is Wisconsin, but Wisconsin can't move the ball worth a darn. So Iowa still has a lot to play for, and this offensive line is not going to be as big of an issue for the remainder of the Big Ten West slate, but that doesn't mean that the offensive line is not going to be an issue when Iowa gets into postseason play or they go into the Big Ten Championship game, and that's really what concerns me a lot. I do want to talk more about that. We're going to talk about which wide receivers we think should be playing, what is going on there, and talk a little bit about tight end snaps. That's all coming up in a few short moments. I do want to tell you, though, about Prize Picks because Prize Picks is perfect for all of you college football fanatics out there. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. I love this, and I know that you will too. Prize Picks is a leader in college sports daily fantasy. They offer more college football props than anyone in the world, and they offer all the star players of the Power Five, as well as mid major players you might not have even heard of. Prize Picks offers any prop that you can think of from yardage to touchdowns, even interceptions thrown. And right now, you can get a $100 deposit match when you go to Prize Picks and type in the promo code LOCKED ON. We'll give you a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 using that promo code LOCKED ON. All you have to do go to Prize Picks, pick two to five players on the over or the under for their projected numbers. You can combine sports as well. It takes you less than 60 seconds and it's safe and offers fast withdrawals. 60 seconds, you could be putting some money in your pocket by playing Prize Picks Fantasy. Daily fantasy, I should say, and it's awesome to do. So don't hesitate. Check out prizepicks.com and use the promo code locked on. That's L O C K E D O N. Or go to your app store and download the app today. Prize picks is daily fantasy made easy. And this episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. With the ever increasing numbers of makes and models, it is now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. And personally, I have saved a lot of money by going to rockauto.com. I bought two engine air filters, saved me $50, took me less than five minutes, and they were delivered directly to my door. If you're doing anything for your car or truck, you got to go to rockauto.com to get those parts. They're going to save money and some save some time as well. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. 
right? Locked on. And they're how did you hear about us box? So they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com. And thank you all for making the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast your first listen every single day. You can find the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast wherever you get podcasts at by searching Locked On Hawkeyes. And also you can get them at YouTube as well for free, Monday through Friday, search Locked On Hawkeyes. And as we were talking about when we took a break, we were talking about this offensive line and just how bad this offensive line has been. So when people complain about Spencer Petras, I get it. It can be frustrating at times, but it starts and stops with the offensive line and the fact that our wide receivers cannot get open in man coverage. Passing-wise, though, definitely his worst game. Four interceptions, a passing grade of 40.9. But when you look at when you dig down a little bit more, three interceptions came in the final four minutes. Spencer Petras had to do something. He couldn't play, protect the football, safe football, let our team score by going methodically down the field. He had to do something and he couldn't. And that's not that's not his fault. Purdue was locking down our wide receivers all day. So you can only expect so much from Spencer Petras when the whole day there was no one open anyways. And he was getting a ton of pressure in his face. He ultimately finished 17 of 32 for a 53.1% completion percentage and 195 yards, three turnover-worthy plays, and one big-time throw. So not a good day for Spencer Petras. I expect him to pick it up, hopefully against Wisconsin, although Wisconsin's defense is very, very good. But I think what Purdue did is something that is not going to be replicated by Wisconsin. Hopefully we're going to talk about that, though, next week as we do our preview for Iowa-Wisconsin. What's interesting about playing Purdue is that Iowa has abandoned the run quite a bit in the last couple of years. Last year, Iowa had a phenomenal day running the ball against Purdue, and then they abandoned the run against Purdue in the second half and let Spencer Petras throw it 50 times. They get down, and Brian Ferentz says, nope, we're not doing it. Tyler Goodson had 12 carries for 68 yards and a 5.7 yard per carry average. There were a lot of cutback lanes on those inside zone runs that I thought were pretty good. George Karlatz was lining up so far outside that he would go up the field, and Tyler Goodson could easily go around him. I thought the running game was pretty darn solid all around. Ivory Kelly Martin also finished with 23 yards on six rushes and a touchdown. Now, it's also worth, also worth noting that Iowa was without their second team tight end, Luke Lachey, who filled in for him, though, was interesting. Last year, the big talk was Elijah Yelverton, a guy who had over 30 offers coming out of Texas, a big-time tight end. He did not get on the field. Instead, it was Josiah Myman, a three-star recruit out of the class before Elijah and also Bryce Schulte, a former walk-on, getting four snaps. So Josiah got 14 snaps. Bryce Schulte got four snaps. That's the future of the tight end position, especially if Sam Laporta leaves. But nevertheless, kind of interesting to talk about. Now, wide receivers. This is what I really want to talk about today. Iowa's offensive line is not, it's not going to improve with new people getting inserted. Yes, you could say, I want David Davidkoff. What is David Davidkoff going to do? Iowa is one of the best programs in the country at evaluating offensive line talent. Do you think if they thought David Davidkoff could play better, that they would just be sitting him on the bench? I don't. I think this is what we have. This is what we got. And Iowa needs to coach these guys up and make them serviceable. Not great, just serviceable, so Iowa can survive the rest of the season. It's worth noting that this offensive line is very young, though. They are going to be good for years to come as they've gotten a lot of experience. But you need to get that experience now, and you need to get better quicker because Iowa has the rest of the schedule on board. We have five games against Big Ten West opponents. This is a very important slate of games for the Iowa Hawkeyes as they try to clinch their first Big Ten title in a very, very long time, or the first Big Ten West title, I should say, um, in a very long time. So since 2015, um, this is a big thing for Iowa. They need to improve that offensive line play, but the other, they also need to improve at the wide receiver position as well. For example, Keegan Johnson, has been our most explosive wide receiver. 
Two receptions for 50 yards against Purdue. I don't know how he's not getting more snaps. Now, when you look at these wide receiver grades over the course of the year, it is frustrating. We'll break it down for you by wide receiver. Keegan Johnson has played in seven games. He's been targeted nine times. He's a 74.7 receiving grade, according to PFF. Arlen Bruce has been in seven games, targeted 13 times, a 70.3 receiving grade as well. Charlie Jones is third. Seven games, 21 targets, a 63.3 receiving grade. Next up, Jackson Ritter, six games, four targets, 63.1. Nico Regani, seven games, 26 targets, 62.3. And all the way at the bottom, Tyrone Tracy Jr., seven games, 23 targets, 51.1 receiving grade. Now, I know Kirk doesn't like to look at advanced analytics. I know Kirk is not a big stats guy. But when you look at this, how do you not want to get the ball to Keegan Johnson? Our leading receiver is Sam Laporta, a tight end, followed by Nico Regani, who drops a lot of balls. His drop rate is 15%. He has three drops on the season. Three out of Iowa's eight drops have come from Nico Regani. His hands have never been that great. Keegan Johnson needs to get the ball more, though. Nine targets, six receptions, 187 yards. The thing I love about Keegan Johnson, though, is not the fact that he can just go deep like he did against Kent State, or Colorado State, excuse me. Um, let me check that, actually. I'm getting my games mixed up. But the fact that Keegan Johnson, when he gets a short ball, can also turn that into a big play. We saw it several times in the last two weeks. Keegan Johnson can turn a five-yard dig route or curl route, excuse me, and he will turn it into a 30-yard gain. He can bounce off defenders. He has a low center of gravity. He can handle and playing through contact, and he stays in his feet. Keegan Johnson needs to be in the game more, and so does Arlen Bruce. Arlen Bruce is a guy who can play several different positions and operate out of the slot very well. He could also line up in the backfield and do a nice little wildcat with Tyler Goodson. I think if you're Iowa, you've got to look at everything in these next two weeks and say, what, what's got to give? I know Tyron Tracy Jr. and Nico Organi have had some very big moments. I really think Tyron Tracy Jr. is the most talented wide receiver on the roster still. But what we've seen from him this season has been nothing short of a disaster to this point. He played better as a redshirt freshman. You, you want to say maybe he had the, the, the ability to be playing behind Brandon Smith and Amir Smith-Marset. There's a game also where Brandon Smith was out, or maybe it was, yeah, I think it was Brandon Smith, and Tyron Trace Jr. had a phenomenal game. So so why, why are we not making a switch at this point? What, what's got to give to see Keegan Johnson get more snaps? So clearly what we're doing at wide receiver isn't working right now. Get Keegan Johnson the ball. Get Arlen Bruce the ball. Get them the ball. See what they can do with it. Give them a sh give them more of a chance at least at this point. Because when they've had the ball, they've been explosive. They've been playmakers. And we just aren't getting that consistently out of the wide receiver position to this point. So it'll be really interesting to see what Iowa does after the break. Now, I don't know about you. Whenever I watch an Iowa game, I am sweating out the results the entire time. Thankfully, though, I have sweat block now. Sweat block are antiperspirant wipes that are literally the best on the market. They are clinical antiperspirant wipes, and they outdo all of the other antiperspirant wipes on the market today. It is truly amazing, and I don't have to worry about wearing a different shirt anymore. So I don't know about you, when I was when I had some sweating out or pitting out issues in my armpits, I could never wear gray shirts. I'd usually wear a lot of black and a lot of white because they hide the sweat pretty well. But now with sweat block, I don't have to do that. Lockdown listeners are loving sweat block. I'm loving sweat block, and if you haven't tried it yet, 
you got to do it as well because you're going to love sweat block as well. It stops excessive sweat for up to seven days per use. Doctor created, doctor recommended, dry shirt guarantee. If sweat, sweat block doesn't keep you dry, they got your money back for you. Not just for your armpits, though. You can use this on your chest, back, feet, hands. Use it anywhere. And I mean literally anywhere that sweats. And they will help you out with sweat block antiperspirant wipes. So if you or someone you care about is dealing with this and dealing with excessive sweat, you have to check out sweat block. Get it today for 20% off at sweatblock.com with promo code locked on, L O C K E D O N, or Amazon and CVS. So before I took a break, we were talking a lot about the offense. I want to talk about the defense now. What's concerning defensively is that our defensive line is not getting an ounce of pressure. In the game against Purdue, an offensive line that was arguably the weakest unit on their team, Iowa managed seven pressures. What's worse about that is only four of them came on non-blitzes. When you look at these pressures generated, Lucas Van Ness had two pressures. Seth Benson had two pressures. Jack Campbell had one pressure. This is not good. Only four pressures generated by the defensive line against Purdue. Now, I was talking to a buddy, and he mentioned that he felt like Purdue was getting the ball out of their hands very quickly. And they were to a degree. The total time to throw was 2.42 seconds for Aiden O'Connell. But it's also worth noting that it wasn't a bunch of screen passes and, and quick slants. The average depth of target was eight, or sorry, 9.6 yards. They were throwing the ball down the field. Iowa just couldn't get pressure. They couldn't do anything against Purdue and Aiden O'Connell. That has to change. What's concerning, though, is the fact that when they did do that, when they did bring pressure, they were leaving Iowa in cover zero, and Iowa could not have an answer for David Bell. David Bell should never have gotten 12 one-on-one opportunities. He shouldn't have got a single one-on-one opportunity. But Iowa had to do it to get pressure on Aiden O'Connell. Otherwise, Aiden O'Connell was just sitting back there and picking off Iowa, picking apart Iowa, I should say. Now, the good news is going into the rest of the season, we do not face a wide receiver like we did in Jahan Dotson and especially David Bell. We have faced a gauntlet of good wide receivers. Ty Freifogel, Jahan Dotson, David Bell. Those are some good wide receivers. We are not having that the rest of the year. Wisconsin, Northwestern, Illinois, Nebraska, they don't have good they don't have anyone that's worth writing home about in regards to Iowa cannot match up with them in man coverage. Now, Minnesota's Chris Abenbell is someone to watch out for, but he's not on that level of David Bell. So if Iowa has to generate pressure by throwing in the blitz, they can play cover zero against some of those guys, which basically means everyone's at the quarterback or and you're playing man coverage. There's no safety help over top, which is very anti-Iowa. What's really interesting, though, about this game is that Iowa stopped the run with their four guys, only 2.6 yards per carry, so what, why couldn't they do it? I mean, what was going on with this this passing, the pass rushing attack? I don't get it. Why could we not make it to the quarterback? That is very concerning to me as we get further into Big Ten play. We're going to need pressure generated by our defensive line. We cannot afford to throw a blitz every single time. Our defense is that it's best, as any defense is, when the four down linemen can get pressure. It allows our secondary to sit back in their cover two zone and have their eyes on the quarterback. When you play more man defense, you're not going to get as many opportunities to pick the ball off. That is just, it's not, and Iowa's defense is a very opportunistic defense. Their defense is the reason why the offense has been playing well to up until this Purdue point because they're getting the ball with such good field position. Look at what happened against Purdue. Iowa had to play more man. 
We didn't get a single interception. There's only one time where I felt like Iowa even had a chance to get an interception. That's how bad it was. Our coverage grade for this day, 59. Matt Hankins allowed 10 receptions on 12 targets for 207 yards. He graded out a 50.3. We mentioned Terry Roberts. I thought Terry Roberts played pretty well considering it was his first start. He allowed four receptions on six targets for only 59 yards. It's also worth shouting out Dane Belton had a 67.4 coverage grade. Dane Belton played pretty well in this game. I mean, at this point, someone's got to give here, right? You're deep in the trenches where I was traditionally very good. They have been struggling mightily. Defensive line was bad in this game. The secondary was bad, but that I honestly, you can't really blame the secondary as much because you should have been bracketing David Bell. You needed to stop their wide receivers and you had to play cover zero because you wouldn't weren't getting pressure on Aiden O'Connell. So um, one of those things has got to give either Iowa's got to be able to hold up a man coverage, which is not our bread and butter, or we have to get more pressure with our four down defensive linemen. Against Wisconsin, this shouldn't be a problem. We should be able to tear apart Wisconsin's offense. Illinois should be able to tear apart Illinois' offense. Minnesota is going to be interesting because Minnesota's offensive line is a very talented offensive line, and I don't know if Iowa's going to be able to generate that much pressure with just their defensive line. And they do have a solid quarterback who gets the ball out quickly and a very solid offense. So that will be interesting to me. Nebraska, the only concern I have with Nebraska is that Adrian Martinez can scramble. So I think Iowa's defensive line shouldn't have a problem getting pressure, but it's now a matter of can you also contain Adrian Martinez and not let him break you with his legs. And the Northwestern shouldn't be a problem at all either. So really, you're looking at Minnesota and Nebraska as my biggest concerns of the defensive line being able to generate pressure because Wisconsin's team, their wide receiver is not that good, and their offensive line is not as good as it has been in the past. So there's going to be opportunities for Iowa's defensive line to get pressure without having to send extra pressure. So it's not as concerning for Iowa going forward the rest of the next five games, but going into the Big Ten Championship game or going into a New Year's Six Bowl, that is where this could be a very dangerous situation. It'll be interesting to see how Iowa comes out of the bye week and gets ready for Wisconsin, what kind of game plan they devise up, and how they can work on improving over those two weeks. That does do it for our analytical overview of the Iowa-Purdue game and giving you some insider or inside information, insight, insights, I should say, into what Iowa needs to do going forward. That does do it for our show today, but I want to remind you that the Locked On Big Ten podcast is free and is downloadable every Monday through Friday, wherever you get podcasts at, and also on YouTube. It's hosted by Nate Dickinson. He does a great job. Definitely check out the Locked On Big Ten podcast as well. You can get all the storylines around the Big Ten. That does do it for our show today, though. Have a phenomenal Tuesday, and as always, let's go Hawks.